Sports fans, betters, and cappers, and welcome to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. This is episode 217, and this podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before giving you some plays on the betting front, and we got plenty of those today because it is our college basketball preview show. I've got my guy Walker Bailey here from Field Stormers for today's episode. Walker, how are you doing, my guy? I'm good, man. I'm so excited for tomorrow. Like, I mean, we're finally going to tip off tomorrow night uh, or really tomorrow afternoon. And uh, I like I just couldn't be more excited. It's pretty well known. I've said it on a lot of podcasts. This is my favorite sport. Like it's my favorite sport to bet. It's my favorite sport to cap. It's my favorite sport to watch in my free time. Um, I've been pretty well known as a sicko as it comes to this sport that I'll watch basically any two universities that are playing ball. Um, Shout out to Kennesaw State last year. But um, yeah, so I'm just I'm so fired up. It doesn't matter really what time it starts tomorrow. I'm gonna find someone I'm interested in and, and lock in. So yeah, and we know we'll, we'll get into the games for tomorrow in a little bit because there's a lot of steep spreads, but there is a couple out there that uh, that are a lot lower and they're games that are meaningful games right out of the gate. So those are gonna be exciting to watch. Now, before we do dive into today's betting preview, we do have to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup, and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so, and if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. So, we're going to start out by talking about where the AP poll is at, because as we said, games tip off tomorrow, which means that that preseason poll is up. Top five teams heading into the season. You got Kansas at one, Duke at two, Purdue at three, Michigan State at four, 
And then Marquette at five, the Big East school there. We have a number of SEC teams in there. They've got five SEC teams currently in the top 25 heading into the year. You got a few from the Pac-12, few from the ACC, and the same with the Big 12 and the Big 10. So, Walker, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the AP poll? Do you think they got it right, especially with that top spot? I think they did. I think Kansas entering the year, they're a veteran team, and they did make the splash of the offseason with Hunter Dickinson. We'll talk more about Kansas in a bit, but what do you think about the AP poll? Yeah, I mean, I thought they got the top spot right, and I was pretty much fine with it. Um, I think last year's Final Four teams in this poll got a lot of credit for making it to the Final Four without actually talking about kind of what they were over the course of the year. Like, do I think FAU is one of the 10 best teams in the country, hands down? I don't. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that they may not win the AAC this year. I think Memphis is going to be really solid, even though I've been tweeting at Francis that FAU is better than Memphis for months now. Is there is um, there any person that's more fun to tweet out about their teams than Francis? Because he's such a nice guy. And I, I believe that Memphis is the best team in the AAC as well. I know, and he, so he's fun. just going to tell me – he's going to tell me repeatedly that how much he respects my opinion while I just hurl nonsense at him. Um but, yeah, so I think FAU is too high. I'm not really stumping for Memphis to be in the poll, uh, but just maybe that FAU is not in the top ten. As much as I love Dutcher, I don't know that San Diego stayed, stayed at 17 after key losses. Uh, makes a ton of sense. Like, Keyshawn Johnson's playing in Arizona now. Like, that's a big loss. So, I mean, I think the mid-majors got a lot of love. Like, for all of the stuff that people say – we're like, oh, we need to love mid-majors more, like their teams too. It's like, well, you know, we're giving them a ton of credit here for last year's tournament runs. And so I'll be interested to see early season how those teams kind of fare against Power 5 competition and more like neutral site settings. But other than that, no complaints. I, I thought Kentucky was low, but I'm also a little bit biased there. Mm -hmm. I Like I like that team a lot. So, you know, that could, that could just be me. But it feels like with as much talent as they have, as well as like returning production, it feels like 16's a little low, even though they kind of underachieved last year. It feels like they're in line to, to make some noise this year. Yeah, when I was looking into, because Kentucky, we're going to talk about them in a little bit when we're talking about some of the Blue Blood schools. But just to quickly mention, they're fourth, the fourth highest ranked SEC school. They're behind Tennessee, Arkansas, and A&M. And looking at their talent, I mean, I, I think that they are also maybe getting a little bit slighted there. I was... I was okay with Marquette being up at five. Um, I do look forward to watching the Big East in general this year. For me, that's going to be must-watch TV every single time. Uh, you get UConn, you get Creighton, you've got Nova in there as well. So there's just a ton of uh, high-quality teams in there. And that's not even mentioning some of the some of the lesser teams that could make some noise, like a St. John's, which I know that we're going to talk about. So uh, I'm good with the poll. I don't love Duke being that high, but I think that they always get the program bump, especially. And actually, this is probably the year where I feel like they have the best guard play that they've had in a long time. So I do think that that yeah, might Proctor's, be uh, Proctor's, Proctor's one of my favorites. I, like, I'm a big Tyrese Proctor fan. So let's talk Blue Bloods. Uh, we're going to start with Kansas because obviously they're the number one team. Um, they made the biggest splash of the transfer portal when they added Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. He finally got out from under uh, Juwan Howard there. Then you've got Dewan Harris Jr. You've got Nick Timberlake as well. Um, Harris, he was a defensive monster last year. You've got Timberlake coming in from Towson, and he was a 17-point-per-game guy. They added Kevin McCuller from Texas Tech. And I just think that this is a very good group. Like, their whole starting five is probably going to be juniors and seniors. So, they do have a ton of experience there. So 
What do you think of Kansas on paper heading into the year? They obviously won the national title, not last year, but the year prior. So what do you think of this program? My big question is with their floor spacing and how much they're going to be able to make shots. Like Timberlake obviously made shots last year uh, at a mid-major, but like Dewan Harris is notedly not a great shooter. Uh, KJ Adams at the four is not going to give you a lot of spacing. Kevin McCullough really hasn't been a plus shooter a ton in the past. Like he shot 29% from three last year. That's not just great spacing. Dickinson will knock him down when he's open, but like that's not really what you're asking him to do. You want him to like kind of pound the glass and be a paint presence for you. So I'm really interested to see how Bill Self works the spacing on this group. Obviously, he's a wizard, so I'm sure it's all going to work out. But that's my big question with them. I, I think they're a deserving favorite just because of the talent accumulation. But uh, I am very interested to kind of see early what the spacing looks like against some high-quality opponents. Like, I think they play Kentucky a week from Tuesday. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Yeah, and honestly, they have some freshman guys that could get some minutes here, like Jackson and McDowell and, and Furphy as well. But I don't know how much they're going to play a factor once we start getting into March. Um, Bill Self does really like his starting five, and he doesn't love to go to the bench a lot once we get into some of those spots. So I agree with the floor spacing part. Dickinson's also third best odds to be national player of the year. He's only behind Edie and Filipowski. So I do think that there's obviously lofty expectations for him leaving Michigan. And I think the whole thing with him was the, the program wasn't in a great spot, but he was obviously one of the best players in, in the big 10 when he was there. So I am interested by this group this year. Um, I do think that Bill Self, is he the best coach in college basketball right now? Certainly one of them. I think him and Izzo both have claims. Um, yeah. I think him and Izzo both have claims. They're both just so good in game. Like, and you really, and you can really trust them late in the game. And I think that's really what you want late in the season. So, I, think I mean, I think they're good. The transfer portal too, more so than maybe some other programs have a lot. They've, Focus less maybe on the recruiting side and more so just finding finding guys that yeah, can Yeah, finding guys who have done it before. Yeah. yeah, so my big thing too is I wonder, like, I've always said this, is I don't like teams that play through big men. Now I got kind of shoved in a locker last year when UConn won it with Adama Sinogo. But, um, you know, I still think that remains true in a lot of ways because UConn had to have really good guard play and they didn't necessarily, like, force feed Sinogo all the time. Like, Tristan Newton was a huge part of that. A uh, huge part of that run, as well as uh, obviously Jordan Hawkins. So I'm, that's kind of something I keep I'm keeping my eyes on. Like, if, is Dickinson going to dominate like you know usage and touches and shots and stuff like that? Uh, I think self smarter than that. I don't think that's going to happen. But that is something I'm keeping my eyes on with them early. So okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about Duke. I've obviously got the Reddick jersey behind me. I'm wearing the the sweater. I'm, I'm the worst fan that there is being a Duke Blue Devils fan, but um, I'm excited for this group this year. I'll be honest. I think uh, yeah. I think the guard play is going to be really solid. I think McCain's going to be a great addition into the backcourt as well. Like It looks like they're going to run a three-guard rotation with him and Roach and Proctor. I do hope that Roach doesn't get too shot happy because that happened a lot last year where he felt like he had to be the guy to lead them back. And that's not really his role. I think he's more so needs to be a floor general for this group. And um, I am excited for that. Mitchell and Filipowski obviously going to be in the front court. And then you've got a ton of freshmen coming off the bench. So what do you make of Shire's group here this year? Yeah, I, it's a really good team and I love guards. So like, I mean, I love the fact that they're going to play three guards and, 
um, specifically Proctor and Roach. Like I'm big fans of both. Like they're the types that'll win you games. Uh, I also just kind of think it's going to be important. Like this is Shire's second year in the head man seat since K retired. So he's got some game experience now being the head coach at Duke. Like, and I know like experience is experience and like, Oh yeah. Like he's coached a lot of games as an assistant and all that stuff. And it's like, no, but like he kind of changes once you're the guy standing and walking up and down the sidelines. So I'm really interested to see how he adjusts this year. There's a lot of things that, you know, he knows now that he didn't know a year ago. And he's got a roster that can back it up. So I think this is a really good team. Like, I know that that's like, duh, like, yeah, duh, Duke's really good. But um, I do think that they've got a really, really good chance to cut down the nets. Like, I mean, they're going to be right there at the end of the year, if barring injury and stuff. Yeah. And I think the big thing for them is obviously we heard the news earlier in the week with Cooper Flagg coming the following year, but I don't want them to to be looking ahead to that group that they're potentially putting together because they do have a ton of talent here, as I said. Filipowski, he's second best odds speed national player of the year, and they are definitely the best team in the ACC entering the season. You've got Miami and UNC that are both in the top 25, but I do think that they have some lesser talent there. I am excited to watch Baycott and Filipowski go at it. That's going to be a ton of fun when we get those two matchups, but uh, definitely uh, where I'm at with Duke. And I mean... I don't know what to make of some of these guys coming off the bench. Like we'll see how Foster's going to look, how Power's going to look, Sean Stewart's going to look. But um, I hope that I hope that Shire early in the year doesn't lean too much on his starting five because he did that a lot last year. And then when it came tournament time, they really didn't have a lot of guys that could come in and produce. So that's where I, I hope that they can get some guys some minutes early in the year, build their confidence, and then really build out like a seven eight man rotation that you're going to need when it comes to tournament time in the NCAA. Now, Kentucky's the last one that I wanted to touch on because I wrote it down and you mentioned it in the preamble. It was, I think that they're being slept on a bit. They're sitting at 16 yeah. in the AP pool. They've got Edwards. They've got Wagner. They've got Bradshaw. They were the number three, four, and six recruits according to ESPN's top 100. And they had a ton of production coming back. So what do you think it is about Kentucky that people don't love? Because I I even read an article today where someone felt like Kentucky was maybe the sixth best team in the conference. And I think that's complete lunacy. Yeah. I think it's the fact that Cal hasn't produced a lot lately. I think some of it's the style of play. Um, I just think there's a lot there. I mean, they've got this foreign kid coming in too, that we haven't even seen yet. And uh, Avisic or whatever his name is from, uh, I can't remember where he's from to be honest, but he's supposed to be really good. He's seven foot three. So like, that's going to give you rim protection if I had to guess. Um, yeah, and then you get transfers from West Virginia, like Trey Mitchell or whatever. So, like, I just think it's a team that's got, like, a really good complement of pieces. Like, they've got veteran pieces. They've got some young talent. Uh, and, like I said, like you mentioned, too, like, it's all – a lot of that young talent is guards. Like, you didn't even mention Rob Dillingham, who's going to be able to give them stuff off the bench probably, if not out of the starting lineup. Guys like Reed Shepard. I just think this team's really deep and has a lot of different ways they can go. I think they're going to be able to win games multiple ways. Um, like they've got a returner, Nagana and Onyensu, who's probably going to be the starting five once he gets back. So I just think it's a good team. Like I, they're not the favorite to win the national title for me, but like I think they easily are a top 10 team. Um, and I think probably deserve to be one of the favorites to win the SEC. So I think that if you're downplaying this Kentucky roster, you're more thinking about what Cal has done lately with the teams that he's had in past years than you are thinking about what this team itself presents. Like, I think it's a really good team. So I'm excited to watch them. They obviously will get tested early. So. 
it feels like Cal's almost gone through a bit of an identity crisis the last number of years. Like he can't quite decide if he wants to be the the one and done guy or whether he wants to be a transfer portal guy. And I think this year he kind of has a good mixture compared to years past of, as you mentioned, like you bring in a guy from West Virginia and Trey Mitchell, that's huge for them. And then we're talking about three of the top six recruits in the country going to Kentucky as well. So they definitely have loaded up and no, and I didn't even mention Antonio. And I didn't even mention Antonio Reeves, who's like, you know, was awesome this summer and yeah. was a key cog on last year's team that went to the second round. So, I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot there, man. Like they, there's a lot of it's going to be a style of play thing. Like, can they get the spacing right? Can they stop shooting so many contested mid-range jumpers? Um, which has been kind of Cal's identity. But this summer they went to a complete, they went to a more, you know, rim and three point style of play. And was it because people were hurt? Was it because he's changing his identity? I don't know. That's kind of what we're waiting to see. So I think the jury's out on how good they can be, but there's no denying that the accumulation of talent is probably the best he's had since like the De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk group of players. So if we fast forward to March, where do you think Kentucky sits as far as these SEC schools go? Because I mentioned Tennessee's at nine heading into the year. Arkansas is ahead of them at 14, A&M at 15, and then Alabama's behind them at 24. Where do you think they they fit in the SEC once we get into tournament time? I would have them probably, God, and I just talked them up, but I'd still probably have them fourth. Um, I, mean, I would have that they have there like Tennessee Arkansas. I would have them I would have them behind Tennessee yeah Tennessee Arkansas and Texas A&M um and I think there's a chance that they're behind Florida but for now I'm going to wait to see the Gators play before I start diving into <laughs> before I start di- going all in on the Gators um but with that being said like it's just but a lot of that's not necessarily because Kentucky's done stuff wrong I just think the SEC is really really strong this year like you know, Muzz is off another really good tournament run and has a really another talented roster. Uh, he underachieved with a roster like that last year. But, I mean, preseason, this roster looks even better than last year's team. Uh, Tennessee's really talented, and they've got guards that are going to be able to rock that rock out. Like Dalton, uh, Dalton Connect could be SEC player of the year. Texas A&M basically brings everyone back from a team that won, like, won the conference last year. So, I mean, it's hard not to respect the Aggies and kind of respect what they're going to have. And Buzz Williams leading the – leading the charge there is someone that you want at the helm of your basketball program. So it's just a really strong league. And then you get into teams like in the middle tier, like Florida and some of those, maybe Missouri or something like teams that people are kind of high on that are maybe sleepers, Mississippi state. Um, And it's like, okay, well, you know, you could argue some of those teams above Kentucky, depending on your perspective. But for me right now, I feel like fourth is a safe, like safe place to put them. And they have the ceiling to win the league, but they also have the floor where they could finish, you know, sixth or seventh and be like an eight seed in the tournament. So for you, is SEC basketball the the conference to watch this year, given all the talented teams? Like you're talking Florida, Mississippi State, like there's a lot of depth here. We've even got Georgia playing tomorrow as well. They're taking on Oregon. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. But it does seem like top to bottom, there's a lot of quality in this conference. So is it this one? Is it the Big East? Which one for you? Uh, those are the two that I was going to say. Like, I think it's those two because I think that those are the two te- or the two conferences where you already have kind of the proven commodities, whether that's Arkansas and, like, the ranked teams that come with both conferences. Um, but I think those are the conferences you've heard the most, like, buzz about some of maybe the middle tier and the unranked teams. 
as far as who can make noise and who can kind of do um, do big things this year. Uh, and we'll talk about them later, but like, you know, St. John's in the Big East, uh, you know, Providence has a new head coach with Kim English. And so they're going to be interesting to watch. I tweeted it a couple a week or two ago, but um, the SEC team that's generating the most buzz right now preseason is Georgia. And like, that's not a basketball school. Like, I mean, that's not kind of what you think of them for. So I just think when you get into these leagues that are going to be, you know, seven, eight teams deep where almost every single game is going to be between teams that are competitive and fighting for something. Those are the leagues that you want to watch. And I think those two leagues have the best chance to be that as of right now. Okay. So let's move on. Let's talk about some of those teams that are probably a bit of a surprise because entering the year, they're they're not in the top 25, but they may be teams that you look at betting a final four. Maybe you, maybe you take a long shot on them winning a national title. Maybe it's, you just think that they're going to be in the top 25 and they're going to be a five or six seed come come tournament time. So give me a surprise team for you this year that you should be keeping an eye out for on the betting market. Yeah, let's go back to the Big East. I just talked about them. Uh, St. John's, that's one that I'm really interested in. Patino. Um, yeah, Patino, there's no question. And so I think that they're going to be – I think that you're going to have to give it some time. I said this a year ago, um, kind of with TCU, when they had some guys suspended. But it's a guy. It's a team you're going to have to give some time. They've got between the portal and freshman class, they have 12 new incoming pieces. They've got a new coach. It might take a minute. Like asking it all to be perfect right away is probably not fair. But I think that while there may be some befuddling losses early, I think that you could be looking at this team as like the six or seven seed that everybody's picking to make a deep run in the tournament by the time the tournament rolls around. You've got Patino. He's got an identity. He knows exactly what he wants his teams to be. Joel Soriano is a Big East Player of the Year type of player. He's going to have he's going to give uh, Patino rim protection, which has always been a key cog on all of his great teams. You have guard play with Jordan Dingle, and then they've got versatility all across the board in terms of like just six, 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 seven guys that are going to give you a lot um, over the course of like over the course of a full season. Like you're going to be able to switch and play defense and do a lot of that stuff. Uh, they got a transfer that I really like from UConn. Uh, Naheem Aliene, I butchered the name, I'm sure. But anytime you can get a player who was like, who actually played and was a key contributor um, and played minutes on a championship team that gives you that championship pedigree and knows what it's supposed to look like, between that and having a coach who knows what it looks like, I think that's really helpful too. I just, I think this team's got a lot of players that can really be impactful. And you also have some untapped upside with uh, Simeon Wilcher, who is a highly touted high school recruit. You just don't like you don't know exactly what you're going to get. But if he taps into that upside and becomes an NBA prospect, like a lot of people think he can, uh, then you're potentially talking about a really, really good basketball team that's really, really hot going into the tournament. So that's one I'd keep an eye on. If you want to go back to the TCU wagon again this year, I don't hate it. I think they're going to be really similar to last year. I think Jameer Nelson Jr. is just going to take the place of Mike Miles and that they're going to be similar in a lot of ways. Um, But St. John's is my favorite. And then we'll kind of talk about it. I guess we're doing futures later, but, and so I'll get into some other teams that I really like, but for the main one, I think is St. John's as far as surprise. So one that I was looking at, and I know that this is the team that was like, I think they collected the most votes for not being in the AP poll, that being Wisconsin. I yeah. think, uh, I think that they bounced back because last year is kind of a bit of a disaster for them. Um, wasn't their best year. Jordan Davis, not coming back. They added some, a four-star and a couple three-star recruits. Um, they got A.J. Storr coming in from St. John's. So 
he's going to be a nice replacement for Davis. You've got Connor Asijin, um and Max Klesmith. I think that they're going to have a really good year as well. So I think that they're a team where when we get to tournament time, they're going to be they're going to be a six seed. And uh, as much as I would love to, the six seed is probably my least favorite spot to be in when it comes to the the tournament because especially if you get one of those yeah. eleven seeds, then <laughs> then I think you're you could be in trouble. But uh, if they somehow can find a way to get to that five seed, then I think that that's a team to keep an eye on this year. I don't know if I like them enough to maybe go and, and make a final four or anything. I just, I've been a firm believer in unless it's Michigan state in the big 10, I don't like taking those teams to go to the final four. It's just kind of the way that I've operated for the last number of years. So that's why I would maybe stay away from that, but could they go on and win the big 10 tournament? I think that there's the potential there for them to do that. So that would yeah. be a, a team to keep an eye on for me. They're definitely going to play some gross games this year. You just know that that's a, that's just a stylistic thing that they enjoy doing. So, but I mean, they should be good. Like, I mean, I was looking at them earlier. We were talking about it. They're a top 20 Ken Palm team. So, I mean, that's a team that has expectations and should be able to, should be able to make some noise in the big 10, especially a big 10 team that after the top two, uh, there's a lot of fight and debate for who's going to claim that third spot and compete with those two for the top for those top three spots in the Big Ten. So let's move on. Let's talk some future bets. Um, these are some fun ones to keep an eye on throughout the year. Um, so give me a couple future bets for you. I know that Bet99, I haven't seen any of their NCAA future bets up. I know that other books have them, though. So what are you seeing from a, from a futures perspective that you like so far? Yeah, I'm not going to deep dive both of these two um, just because I've already given them out on shows for such a long time. But we did bet both Villanova and St. John's to win the national title, uh, yeah. both on this show and I think other shows. So I'll kind of go into more conference stuff. Um, so I'll kind of start out. I'll start out west and kind of work my way back east. Uh, but we bet Colorado State to win the Mountain West at 10 to 1. Uh, I just really like the guard play. Like Isaiah Stevens is preseason Mountain West player of the year. He's a guy who's been there and done it. He was their starting point guard on the NCAA tournament team a few years ago. Um, they bring – it's going to be a lot closer to their team from a few years ago than it is uh, than it is their team from last year, who suffered a ton of injuries. They couldn't guard anybody. Like, they just kind of had nonstop issues or whatever last year. So, I think this is a nice bounce back year for Nico Medved. They're going to play, like, that very five-out style of basketball. Um, they got – in the portal and it's got a lot of like length and like kind of those six, 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 seven type of wings, uh, like kind of like a Josiah strong, who's a sixth year player. And then you have like a Nikkei Clifford. So they got, um, and then Jalen Lake who shot 38% from three last year. So like, they've got a lot of kind of, they've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of guys that, uh, should be able to guard. Uh, but that is where you're worried about it in terms of an X factor. Uh, and then also like Joel Scott was a national player of the year at the level he was playing at, which was at Black Hill State. And so now he's making the jump to D1. So there's really no telling with a player like that, what that could look like. I just think there's a lot of untapped upside for this Colorado State team. And you know that they're going to be really good on offense. You just you just worry about them getting stops. They were 199th in adjusted defensive efficiency last year on uh, per Ken Palm. That number obviously has to get a lot better for this bet to get home. Uh, but with me kind of backing off San Diego State a little bit after last year's Final Four run, I think that this team has a really good shot at being there at the end uh, in terms of winning the Mountain West. So, and then after that, we'll come down to my neck of the woods. The SEC, I mentioned them earlier. I said we'd talk about them later. We'll talk about them now. 
I bet the Florida Gators plus 650 to win the SEC. I'm obviously a big fan of Todd Golden. I was in the San Francisco days uh, and still am now. So I am uh, I am backing the Gators. They got in and got Walter Clayton Jr. They've got Riley Kugel coming back. Um, they got, I believe it was uh, Tyree Samuel came from Seton Hall, I believe, or UConn. It's one or the other. I get all the Big East schools confused. Um they got a seven-footer transferring in from Marshall. It's just a roster that looks exactly like what Todd Golden wants his rosters to look like. And they've got depth. They can score the ball. So I'm really excited. Yeah, Tyree Samuel from Seton Hall. So they're going to have good guard play. They got Zion Pullen late, who was a 17, uh, like 17 or 18 points per game scorer uh, out at UC Riverside. So you've got guys who have experience putting the ball in the bucket. They've got guard play for days with Walter Clayton Jr., Riley Kugel, uh, Will Richards back from Belmont, Zion Pullen, like I just mentioned. So they've got guard play for days. They've got size at the rim and the seven-foot-one uh, Marshall transfer. I just think it's a, good, a group that's being significantly undervalued in the market uh, for what they have. It's year two under Golden, so his system should take a noticeable jump. Um, I like this group a lot. I think they should be talked about in the same tier as the rest of these SEC schools near the top. And then from, from a, from a futures perspective, I'm finding it hard to really like a lot of value in, in some of these bigger conferences. Like, I mean, I look at the big 12 and just because of how good Kansas looks heading into the year, I'm finding it hard to even want to consider anyone else. And I know that there's a ton of talent yeah. there, whether that's Baylor, whether that's Houston, but I'm finding it tough with them. Finding it tough in the ACC because I do think that Duke is. I didn't. I didn't even look in the game. ACC. I didn't even look in the ACC because I knew that I wasn't going to find anything. Like, I talked to myself a few years ago into like a Notre Dame twenty-five to one, and like that was just like a miserable experience. And so, <laughs> I mean, like, and quite honestly, they were there for most of the year. Like, they were in the top two all year, and I still just was like, God, like. And that was, I think that was the Palo year at Duke. And I was like, God, like I've got Blake Wesley and I'm trying to go like tip for tat with Duke. Like this isn't fun. Yeah. Um, so so the, and only then, big, the only big conference that I looked at that I actually thought could have some value was the Pac-12 um, because I don't like, yeah. I don't like the big 10 when we're looking at, I think it's just Purdue or Michigan state. I don't think that any of these teams can put together a campaign strong enough to, to win the conference, but when I look at the Pac-12, so Arizona—that's where I was headed next. Arizona's the favorite. Then you've got USC, yeah. UCLA, Colorado, Oregon, and I think that any of those five teams could potentially win it, which is why I would be inclined to look at either an Oregon or a, a Colorado. I'm very interested to see how Oregon looks tomorrow, and we'll chat about that game in a little bit, but. I think with them being minus four and a half against Georgia, I could talk myself out of it really quick <laughs> if they lose their opening game. So Colorado, I think, is the one that you were you were thinking about. So what is it about Colorado for you in the Pac-12? So when I'm going through and kind of looking for teams in the preseason, like teams that you really want to like back in the next season are teams that A, have a lot of returning production and A, or and then B, also don't have like zero experience with winning. And so, like, Colorado wasn't great last year. They were, like, a 17-team – they were an 18-win team. They went to the second round of the NIT. Um, they obviously lost Nika Clifford. He went to Colorado State, who we just talked about. But you've got some really, really good uh, – some really, really good newcomers. You get a five-star freshman who's highly touted and thought of as a lottery pick in Cody Williams. 
you get a transfer who I'm obviously incredibly familiar with and Eddie Lampkin from TCU. And then you get a bunch of returning production, six, eight senior Tristan De Silva. Like that's going to be kind of where you go for a lot of your production. Uh, KJ Simpson averaged 16 a game last year. So just in those two guys in returning production, you get 32 points per game. Uh, and then you're just bringing everybody, you're bringing a lot of guys back. I think they bring back like seven of their eight top scorers and then you're starting and then you're adding like lottery NBA talent into it. Uh, this just feels like a team, this rakes of a team that takes the next step and wins 25 games, like 24 to 25 games and competes in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm a little bit lower on some of the other teams. I watched some of Arizona the other night. I thought it really just looked clunky. Like it didn't really look exactly what Arizona typically looks like which is usually like really beautiful basketball to watch. So, you know, I have, I had a hard, I had a hard time watching Arizona. Uh, I, I just like the Colorado. I like this Colorado group. Uh, Ken Palm has them. I think is like the 28th best 28th or 29th best team. That's kind of right in line with what I would think. Uh, USC, I think is going to be interesting as well. Uh, I just tend to like, I tend to like uh, Colorado a bit more. I don't like betting on teams that don't have a ton of experience. And it feels like that's what USC has with, uh, with their guards. So um, yeah, they do have, they do have Boogie, they do have Boogie Ellis back, which helps like Boogie Ellis gives them a floor, but uh, I just, I feel like I'm going to swing a little bit with the value in Colorado, take all the returning production. I only have to rely on one freshman. And if he hits his upside, this is a team that could be like, a multiple weekend NCAA tournament team. So I'm in there. I don't like Mick Cronin. I respect the fact that he's a good coach. I just don't like betting on his teams. So basically Arizona looks clunky. I don't like UCLA and I don't want to back USC's freshman. So I went ahead and took Colorado with all their returning production and, uh, and also the possibility of a couple of freshmen taking big steps to start the year, which is exactly kind of what I like to, what I like to back. Okay, so let's let's focus now on the games that are starting tomorrow. And so we're going to head over to our last call picks segment sponsored by Last Mountain Distillery, where we give our betting picks for Monday. Last Mountain Distillery is family owned and operated located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro distillery success lies in its commitment to producing high quality handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some of their seasonal products that they have out now. I tried their salted caramel whiskey this weekend. Was a huge fan of that. Probably why I'm not feeling so great this morning. Or I guess it's afternoon now. Boy, it's the day is getting away from me already. So really appreciate the folks over at Last Mountain Distillery. They have a ton of great products. And thanks for supporting the show. So let's look at college basketball lines for Monday. Um, I mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of steep spreads here, a lot of 20, 30-point spreads, but there's also a couple of games in there that I think are worth mentioning. So let's start with that Oregon and Georgia one. Oregon's minus four and a half on the road, taking on a Georgia team that some people are, are quite high on is potentially a, a sleeper team this year. So are you are you taking Georgia in the points on Monday? Yeah, I'll buy into the hype. Give me the Bulldogs. Uh, I think this is a close game down to the wire. It's especially early season where, you know, both teams are probably going to just be trying to figure some stuff out. Uh, give me Georgia and Mike White. I do think I'm taking the worst head coach here by a good bit. I think Dana Altman's obviously going to have an edge. Uh, but I do think Georgia keeps this thing close and they're able to kind of just stay inside the number, if not win this thing outright. Uh, but, I, you know, early season, I'm going to be a little bit tempered back in my units in terms of how I'm playing playing these games uh but i'll have you know i will have some coin on georgia tomorrow 
I think I'm going to hop on the Georgia train with you as well. Um, plus four and a half. I do like that at home for their openers. So I'm going to join you on that one. The other one that I, I'm very interested in, this is going to be a game that I definitely have on the TV tomorrow. It's number 21 USC. They're minus two and a half taking on Kansas State. We obviously know Kansas State went on that huge run last year, but no Noel this year. Um, so what do you think? With USC, with all this young talent, is it going to click right away? This feels like a spot where they could blow them out or they could lose outright. So what do you think of uh, of this spread? Yeah, so I just went on a long ramble about how I didn't want to back USC's young talent. But tomorrow, we're backing the young talent, uh, <laughs> taking the Trojans taking the Trojans and Vegas to win a neutral site game. I think that uh, – I think ideally Kansas State wants Tyler Perry to slide into the uh, Marquise Noel role. I'm just not super sure that he's ready for that kind of volume. As much as I love the Kaluma edition and think that this Kansas State team is going to be good by the time conference play rolls around, give me the Trojans. Uh, I'm excited to kind of see what that looks like. I think Boogie Ellis's volume scoring is going to give them uh, give them an edge in this game. He's a proven commodity, uh, so I'm excited to kind of back the Trojans. It's also a West Coast game, so USC will have the edge in terms of home uh, home crowd support. And they'll also just have that, you know, the time zone and all that kind of stuff where they don't have to worry about flying out west and adjusting body clocks and stuff like that. So I'm going to take USC minus two and a half tomorrow. I was kind of thinking the over for this game. It's 143 and a half. I think it's going to be pretty up and down. I think USC is going to get into the 80s, which means I just need Kansas State to be relatively close, which I think that they will be. It's only two and a half. So I think I'm probably going to play the over if I'm playing anything in this game. So that's where I'm going to keep an eye out. Now, as far as some potential upsets tomorrow. Now, if we're talking ranked teams, pretty much all of them outside of the two that we just talked about are anywhere from minus 17 to minus 30. So we may not find it amongst the ranked teams, but one of them that I saw that I was interested in was the Missouri State. And we talked about it before we went live. Missouri State is plus five and a half for this game, and I think that they have the potential to cover, if not win outright against West Virginia. I think West Virginia, obviously, they had the whole Bob Huggins situation over the last year that's kind of <clears throat> hung over their head a bit. I think that they're going to struggle, especially this year. So Missouri State's usually a pretty solid, solid team. Uh, so what do you think of uh, this game? I'm completely aligned. It just seems like there's a lot of drama already at West Virginia. Interim head coach, it seems like that he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a one-year guy and they'll replace him going into next season. I just think there's so much turmoil and drama already. And Missouri State's also just such a program, like, that's stable. You know exactly what you're going to get a lot of the time. I just think coming in, I think they're going to be ready to roll. They're going to play this game like it's a Super Bowl. Uh, they live for going on the road to Power 5 teams and having a chance to pull upsets. I'm just not sure West Virginia is completely ready to start the season. So I would be completely aligned. I'll probably end up on that in the morning when I do my second look through. Um, but yeah, I totally aligned. I don't think there's any way you can back West Virginia here. Okay. What's one for you that you're looking at as far as uh, maybe a potential upset? Cause we do like a, a good college basketball upset, especially early in the season. Yeah. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to get a little bit disciplined and run my like flex cut offense and all that stuff. I'm going to go to Princeton uh, I think Princeton getting a shot against Rutgers plus six and a half is worth a look. Um, I just think that they're going to be incredibly disciplined. I told you earlier, like this is a game where the athleticism and the defense of high Cole's bunch could be too much. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be that. I, they have a lot of experience. 
they made a deep tournament run last year. Uh, they're obviously incredibly disciplined and incredibly confident in what they do, and they're going to be able to make shots. And that's kind of Rutgers' biggest fear is a team that comes in and is going to be capable of making shots and pushing them offensively. So I'm rocking with uh, – I think I'm rocking with Princeton, Princeton plus six and a half and a little sprinkle on the money line tomorrow. I like it. I might join you on the Princeton train as well. Let's uh, let's have a good Monday. I mean, I'm really looking forward Absolutely. to college basketball being back. We've got a ton of great things happening over at the network. Tell the folks at home some of the great things that you've got going on over at Off the Ball Network. Yeah, so we're all in on college sports right now, I guess. So uh, obviously I'll be kind of hopping on here more, I guess, and then also talking more college basketball bets as the season goes on. Um you know, Mo and I just recorded about two hours ago uh, this week's episode of Field Stormers. Uh, hopefully be back on the second episode this week. Um, but obviously, and then make sure to check out if you want more college basketball content and haven't gotten your fill. Our president, Chris LeBron and Kevin uh, do their Get a Bucket podcast. I know they just did a space earlier this week where they took fan questions and stuff like that. Uh, so that's something worth checking out. Uh, but just check out everybody's work at offballnetwork.com. You know, NBA, NBA basketball is in full swing. Uh, college football is kind of at its peak and we're right in the middle of NFL season. There's so much sports going on. There's no reason not to be checking out all of their content. Yeah. And we've been on a heater here recently. We're nine and one over the last four days. We cooled off this morning a little bit with Villa not coming through on the over two and a half. And then we had uh Canary's Tony. I don't know why I thought uh, over one and a half receptions was the play because he finished with one. And uh, that's that's just not a spot that you want to be in. But Nico Collins got the TD. Let's hope the safe one can get a TD in the later slate. Then we can cash a little parlay. And we got Giants money line this afternoon as well. So a lot of great stuff happening. We're going to have a ton of college basketball plays as well. We'll probably be running some uh, live shows as well. Get some people on to give some guest picks as well. Once we start hitting our full stride of college basketball, that'll be probably in December and, and early January where we're going to be looking at that. But appreciate everyone that listens to the podcast. Go subscribe to the YouTube. Follow us on all of our social platforms at HedgePod. And we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Hedge podcast. <laughs>